Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Hemp Logic Radio, where we attempt to sift facts from opinions in this upside-down world of industrial hemp. Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Corey. I'm the host of Hemp Logic Radio. Uh, today, we've got uh, Shea Myers. Uh, he's a hemp farmer in just outside of Boise, Idaho. He, I believe he uh, he grew. I'm waiting for him to call in right now. Uh, he grew uh, there in, here in Oregon um, this last year. And what intrigues me about Shay? Oh, here he is. Hang on just a second. Good morning, Shay. Good morning. Shea, good morning. Hey, I was just I was just uh, introducing you. So. Um, you know, Shay. So you grew, uh, you grew in Oregon, uh, right? You're outside of Boise, right? That's right. We're right on the uh, border of Oregon, Idaho. Cool, cool. Well, what I was getting at when I was talking about when you when you called in was, you me because you're you're a successful farmer for other things, and that's one of the things that I always hear um, in the in the industry is, well, I'm a successful farmer doing all these other things hemp should be easy and that's why you've always intrigued me because of the size and and breadth of what you do um can you give us a little bit first of all uh, how do you pronounce the name of your produce company so the produce company is owyhee produce um the parent company for all of this is Froar farms um that's the 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 family name on my mom's side of the family so Froar. okay Okay, so it's Howie, Howie? Hawaii, Hawaii. Think Hawaii. Hawaii with an O. Okay. That's what it's from. It's an 18th century spelling of Hawaii, so it's Hawaii. Really? Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, kind of, kind of walk us through what you know, what you do on a daily basis, and then kind of maybe get into a little bit of of how you got into hemp. I think that's the most uh, people want to know how, what's the, what's the path? What's the, what's your journey like? Sure. So, um, figure out like a, a daily project, you know, walk in the, in the life of Shea for a day here. Um, I came back to the farm <laughs> in 2005 after college and, uh, we, uh, my, my family had been farming since the fifties. I'm generation three, um, on our operation. There's, there's quite a bit of difference between a farmer mentality, and there, these are not – this is in disparaging in no way, but there's a very big difference between a farming mentality and a business or entrepreneurial mentality. And our farm was all farm-based. We grew a commodity. We took the price that everybody gave us, and that's what we did until I came back in 2005. And really, we didn't start marketing our own crops until um, a little bit closer to, to 2007. Um, and that was that's been my model. I've come back. I I manage the sales, packing, and distribution of our onions, asparagus, and sweet potatoes. 
and and that's something that we've grown like while we've grown at least asparagus and onions we've grown for better than 20 or 30 years um the way that they were marketed was vastly different it was you know some broker would call or somebody would call from a commodity standpoint or they would go to a custom packing shed and be sold um there so my job basically today is to run the overall operations from a production sales and logistics side so i'm i'm not i'm a farm kid grew up a farm kid but i'm not you know, on the farm every day. I'm in communication with my cousin and my uncle that are doing it every day. So I'm pretty dialed in, but we, we have segmented our roles so that we can kind of improve our abilities and not spread ourselves too thin. You're more of the entrepreneur part of the, of the farm then. And I've seen this has happened uh, with quite a few farms, either you adapt or you die. And it's, it's a different market. It's just not, it's just not farming like your grandfather did it's it's a little different and i and i i see you do a lot of videos on linkedin and i uh, i really like the videos that you do explaining what you do and that's it's always nice to have so um yeah i can i see where the farm has has transformed into that entrepreneurial type of thing so what would you guys how how did you get into hemp what what made what perked your ears up and, and wanted to get in now yeah, that's a that's a good question. How did we get into this? Um, you know, obviously, as the farm bill, we had looked at it before. Being in Oregon, we'd contemplated the idea of of growing uh, hemp prior to the farm bill. Um, we're already and, and where we're already doing a lot of specialty crops. You know, we we did obviously, and we thought it was a natural fit. Like we we're the only growers of sweet potatoes in the northwestern United States. Nobody else does it. We're like, if we can figure out how to grow a sweet potato, we can grow a good hemp crop. Um, so we, we started with the idea of just kind of looking at what was out there and what we might be able to do. And when the farm bill changed over before that, it wasn't worth the risk for us. We're like, it, we just, we're not going to risk it. Um, we have too much going riding on our, you know, on what I'll call the legitimate side or the core part of our business to risk the volatility that hemp would bring to it because it's not federally legal. Um, and when that changed over, we had already been kind of, toying around and playing with the idea, looking at some processors and folks to work with. Um, and then all the hype too, right? I mean, uh, I'm not sure if you coined the phrase or somebody brought up calculator eyes. I think in one of your past videos, you talked about calculator eyes, but I mean, you have that too. Yeah. You've got all this excitement about all these dollars rolling around and the opportunity and you feel like you, uh, you, you, you should get in. Well, and that's just it. You start doing the math, and I don't know how many times you sat around a table with somebody. I know I sat around the table many, many, many times, and a damn calculator come out, and people would just lose their minds. You know, I, I had it. Mm-hmm. I had my my own my own in house attorney tried to steal my company. You know, it's just <laughs> things just people lose their minds, and it's just nothing but a calculator. You know, right, right. Well, and, and the variables we got to get out of the field. So extreme. Yeah, exactly. And and I think a lot of people learned that lesson really quickly. I mean, like how many guys got in this year with a piece of dirt and zero experience? There were a lot. I mean, there's a lot of acres and maybe your plugs are in on this, but I've heard of lots and lots of acres that were never even harvested. And, and I, and I saw that in my own Valley over here, you know, hundreds and hundreds of acres that didn't even get harvested because they were either weed patches or they were all seeded out and no good. Um, but even, and full disclosure, even if you executed, which we feel like we did, we had lots of failures, lots of things we screwed up on, but 
even executing probably in the 90 percentile, maybe in the 95th percentile, I'd argue, it, to, to find a home for everything has been much more challenging than what I think anyone expected. And it goes back to the best explanation. Some have called it the Wild West. What I like to think of it as, if I'm explaining it to people, is a mining town. Like it's, it's the gold rush and everyone's coming to the gold rush, but I might, I might be the first guy there and I might find the mother load vein and have all this gold, but I, there's no road to even get it to the, to the bank. There's no bank to even sell the gold to. There's no transportation for the bank once they're there to get the, the, the cash or the gold to the market. Like nothing in the infrastructure is truly established and it's way less established, I think, than what everyone thought. Yes, you're absolutely correct. And that's you're once again, you're the fascinating part of this business, um, in my point of view, because you're a successful farmer, you actually got your product out of the field. And you have a great product, and you still are holding on to it, you're still you still have it finding a proper home for what you produced is, is it's, it's very difficult. So that's why, uh, you know, you're you're on the top end of everything where you're a successful farmer, you had a successful crop, but you're still struggling in the marketplace. And, and this is some of the things that I wanted to, to get out there today was was talking about this kind of stuff. So what you you started you started growing or you started okay, we're gonna do it this year. What was the, what what kind of process did you guys go through? So our planting process or just the thought process or No, I mean okay, so you're sitting you're sitting with your, your, your family and you're going, Okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do some acreage. Um what was your what was your game plan? What without knowing, you know, really anything about the industry, you had to you know, you had to sit down and go, Well, what's our game plan? What what kind of things did you do? Sure. Sure. So I mean to be real candid and, and and direct, we would not have gotten in without, and I, I, I've got an NDA, so I can't specifically mention the name, but we had a processor come to us and say, look, we need, we need a quality grower. It matters to us how this is grown, and we need to have some confidence in our supply. So a good portion of our crop was already committed with a home. Um, now, the processor has struggled to get their equipment in a timely fashion, and they've had tons of snafus, like I've said, with all the infrastructure uh, and the challenges in the supply chain, everyone is struggling from um, those with the best intentions and those with the worst intentions, everyone is struggling. But that's how we got started. We weren't going to get into this and risk, you know, we did almost 600 acres. We weren't going to risk 600 acres. That was not in the cards, um, especially at the dollars it was going to take. So we had a commitment for 75% of our crop and, we uh, we were directed on where to go for the genetics um, by the processor. Um, they picked out the genetics, and then, again, there's another problem. We were delayed almost, what, 80 days in our planting. We were planting, and we, we oh, ripped wow. out our wheat crop. We ripped out our wheat crop, put in our drip tape, pressed all the ground. We were planning on planting on June 10th. Our last slips went in, or the last seed, actually, because we did a lot of direct seed, it went in on August 4th. Um, you can't do that. Like the fact that we even had a crop with all of that happening, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to talk ourselves up, but if, if we didn't know, have an idea what we were doing, we would have never had any, any hope at all. And it was still a pretty significant failure if you look at it as far as what the potential was. But 
Sure. You got out of the field. We got out of the field. Yeah. We got out of the field. We figured out the processes. We did several different methods. We did, we, we combined, we hand harvested and then, and then bucked it. We, uh, we did some uh, wet process. I mean, we did a little bit of everything to try and figure out what in the long term is going to make the most sense because, uh, and I think you're, well, obviously you were, you're way ahead of this as far as what the value is going to be 80, 90, a dollar a point. I don't know what the number is going to be long-term, but it's, it's going to be cheap. This is not going to be a, this is a commodity crop already. And moving forward, if you, if you can't make something work off of, you know, we figure 12% pretty good in ag, you know, return, um, you might have to do something better because of the volatility right now, but you're, you're not going to see a 40% or 80% or 90% return. Like we thought we saw in the beginning, you're talking, you know, 12, 18, maybe 20%, I think. I mean, I, and, and that's, that might be generous. I don't know what I you think, think. I think we did the numbers when we did the numbers, I think we were looking at right around between, um, I want to say 45 to 50 cents what it was going to cost per percent if you did a 10, if you, if your baseline was 10%, I want to say it, it, yeah. might, it, it might've been 60, but um, yeah, you know, you're, you're, I think you're right. This is, this is already turned in one year. This already has turned into a commodity. Uh, it's like everything else. Hey, wheat, corn, soybeans, and you're going to have to uh, cut costs. Your the seed to genetics. I'm already, you know, cause I'm, I'm looking for genetics now and I'm seeing genetics you know, the, everybody, the days of the dollar seed, uh, you know, everybody's breeding. Of course, you have to weed through all that. But, you know, your costs, your costs are going to go down because of, of the way, you know, if you're going to do direct seeding. And I believe direct seeding is, is the way of the future for hemp just because of the Absolutely. pollination issue. Why spend a dollar? Which we, why spend a dollar a seed when your neighbor, your neighbor's planting hemp for fiber across the road? Uh, it's stupid. So. Yeah, the, the industry will, the will seeded, change. Yeah, sorry, I mean to cut you off. The direct seeded, we did a lot, a significant no, amount fine. of direct seeded. The, the thing about with the genetics out there, the genetics aren't there for direct seeded yet. I mean, if somebody wants to go try it, it's, no. it can be done, but it's not going to be successful. Maybe and maybe in a year, like I mean, from last year to this year, the genetics has improved enough that it might make more sense. But it, it does have to get to direct seeded. I complete with you, completely agree with you there. Like this, this whole transplant thing is. It doesn't make sense, um, but currently I'm not sure. You're not on an ep- economic all, scale, choice. and also the risk of being pollinated. Yeah, there's, mm-hmm. there's too much risk. It's too much risk on that. So um, yeah, the, the industry will change. You, you're talking about being uh, in your area, people getting uh, pollinated. Uh, that's not the end of the world, other than it kill it kills your content. But you can still separate the seed from the biomass and still, you know, save, save something of it. It's not a, it's not right. something that's a complete loss. So, they, but that's where we have to, as an industry have to uh, rotate and, and pivot to the equipment side where you're actually direct seeding, cutting off the biomass and then separating the biomass from the seed. So you have something to send through the processor and that people are still learning, figuring that out. So. Yeah, for sure. You get you get into the field. You get into the field. You work with your contract. You get into the field. What are the some of the other things that you guys, uh, you know, right out of the gate, 
you, you realize, oh, we're not in Kansas anymore here, guys. We're This is a different animal. Was there any of those kind of moments? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I think the industry as a whole, as a whole is what really made us figure that out. Like, in agriculture, if we tell you we're going to do something, nine and a half times out of ten, if I just tell you and you tell me and we agree, whether we shake hands on it or not, you, you commit to something and I do, it's going to happen, regardless of what it takes. And unfortunately, this industry is not that way. It might, I think it's getting better slowly, but a commitment from someone was not the same type of commitment that we're used to in agriculture. When someone committed to um, a delivery time or if they committed to um, any, any number of things, or selling your crop for that matter. I mean, how many times have I had someone call me and say, Hey, I've got everything sold and this is the price. And then I never hear from them again. Uh, it's just <laughs> a completely, yeah. completely different industry. And we just don't do that. Yeah. If, if you and I talk and we're going to do something and we agree, it's done. It's okay. You're going to, you need it tomorrow. Okay. And so you get to a point where we were getting trucks lined up, having everything set up. Cause that's what we're used to. We're shipping, you know, 40, 40 or 50 loads a week of, you know, product out. That's what we're used to. We line up the freight, we get the wheels there and they're like, Oh, well, wait, we were not ready. And you're like, well, why did you tell me you were ready? I think that has been the most surprising thing about the industry as a whole is just the lack of integrity, the absolute lack of integrity. Um, well, I know, at, at, I, know at, from my I don't want to say every sure. level, but at a lot of levels. Well, and I'll say from my experience and what, what I dealt with, um, you get in, you start having these kind of, you're right. You have conversations with people, people that I knew for a couple of years and you have these conversations, you get in, you get down the road with these guys and you shake hands, you're going to do whatever you're going to do. And you walk in and you go, Oh no. And it's scale. It's the scale. And I said this numerous times over the year last year was scale will eat everybody's lunch because it was eating mine. Not because I didn't see what was happening. It was the people that I had connected with that they didn't understand the scale. And, you know, just conversations, you just, oh, no, oh, no. But what going back to what you said, in the agriculture business, it's a little, it works a little different. So I can see a little, little tension on your part. Oh, oh, okay. So when he says something, I have to wait to see if it actually comes true before I do anything. And so it backs up. Um, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and you actually nailed something there too, Corey. Like the, the scale, people don't understand. Like when we actually had people out to the farm, to our operations, and, and this includes onions or soup, it doesn't matter what they come to see. Their minds are blown. That's why I do these videos on LinkedIn. So people understand the scale of what we're doing to have the cheapest food in the world in this country, right? And hemp's going to be the same way. Like the cheapest hemp in the United in the world's going to come from from the United States because we're going to we're going to scale up and do things in such a way that we can be very competitive on a national and international level. And you know, I, I guess that's the other thing that surprised me is like I don't I don't know what people were expecting. I think there's a lot of people that were coming to a farm really for the first time. So they didn't even know what to expect. And then the ones that were coming to a large scale farm like ours versus the small ones they were seeing was just, again, that same thing, like scale. It's like, well, there's sometimes they're like, well, why don't you just have people go out and pick? And I'm like, do you understand? Like this, we're talking about 600 acres. You, I mean, let's, let's do the math. How many millions of plants that is. We can't just have people go 
pull the buds off of all of those plants. It's not going to work. That just that that doesn't happen. And even if it did, it's not going to pay for very long. So it, it was interesting. Yeah, there's. Uh, I had. I want to say it was the first of September. I had. 400 some odd acres, a guy with some 400 some odd acres. Uh, he had no house plant. And I just, what do you mean? It's, it's September, but, and he goes, I know, I know, but this and this and this, he just saying all the things that didn't happen. You know, this guy was supposed right. to do this and this guy was supposed to do this. And he's sitting there with 400 acres of very expensive. He, he really went, he, you know, these investment groups went deep, deep into genetics, and he had no harvest plan. And and I, he was, of course, trying to salvage the smokable flower. You know, his thing was smokable flower. I'm in the middle, and you have time for smokable flower. You know, you need to start figuring out a game plan and getting this out of the field. Um, he had a massive weed problem as well, so complicating everything compounding the problems was the, the weeds and you know he he just he just looked at me and his you know his eyes glossed over and of course what i was telling him was not what he wanted to hear um i don't know whatever happened to that whole thing but um it's just another story on top of another story of of a farmer you know people getting involved in something that they have no business getting involved in on the scale that they're in right so, so we get we get into the field, and so what is, uh, you get you get close to harvest. What what's going on? So tell us a little bit about your harvest, uh, your harvest, and how you got out of the field because you, you you were successful. Yes. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, we tried multiple methods. Like to say we didn't hand harvest anything is not the case. We did hand harvest some, and we we used um, we have our big drying rooms that are utilized for drying onions. Um, we we use those buildings. Fortunately for us, we didn't have to hang. Um, these are they're bin storages, so we just put the plants inside those. Um, you know, we, we harvest in hand, put them in bulk trucks, bring them in, dump them at the site, and then reload them again into those bins into these drying rooms. They're pretty cool because they're they're both onion and sweet potato, so we can control the humidity, we can control the temperature. You know, we were able to really kind of regulate what we were doing, although we still didn't know what we were doing and what was the right way to bring the temps down. It, it worked fairly well. And so we used that method and then either hand fed into a combine after that was dry um, and got the biomass or we, uh, we, we bucked, although we didn't buck very much, but then we bucked into just bulk sacks um, using kind of a similar method, just handling everything by hand. Uh, We're fortunate to where we're at a lot like up there. It's very dry, a very dry climate. So we were also able to, windrow dry in the field and then combine you know in place that's probably where the future is headed to me although the combines it's too hard on your combine there's got to be a better method um you know to that madness as well but at least it was something that we could we could attempt to do and then the last method that we used for most of our crop was a was a chopper it was wet chop and then uh you know and then stored like that um and that it's a fast, easy process. Um, we haven't run enough of the biomass. This is all nitrogen purged bags, you know, so we'll see what we have. Um, processing starts next week and we'll know where that is, but I can't even speak to like what the quality is. I know what the CBD content is, but I don't know at the end of the day what that's going to mean yet. 
Well, and that's yeah. There, so. There's I, I'm not a big proponent of that. I believe. Um, well, you, first of all, you have to have an extractor that's willing to take wet material um, because it's, mm-hmm. it it stinks up everything. You know, you're, you're more or less processing silage. You know, and so it, people that don't know what silage is, you take silage. You take a product, whether it's corn, uh, or you know, you take the whole stock corn, or you take hay or or hemp, and you you put it in. Um, normally, you put it in big stacks on the ground. With hemp, you're going to put it in a bale, and then that material it it morphs into a silage, something that's stable. I mean, a uh, couple of years, I think, that you can get by with that. Uh, the extraction side is still to be is uh, to my in my knowledge is unknown of and then of course you hear the horror stories they open up the bales and black goo what drains out so yeah uh, yeah there's that too and, and there's a lot that. of investment in like, that was, if it was corn you're not risking that much yeah yeah you're talking something that's worth you know ten thousand dollars a bale or more and you're 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 hoping that it works um, I, I have a hard time with that. I would be more comfortable uh, laying it on the ground. Oh, you know, another thing, I don't know, um, I just found this out, is guys that were, uh, that were that panicked in Colorado and Montana, and, you know, when the storm hit right there, like the middle of September, remember when that mm-hmm. big cold snap went through? Oh, you were dealing yep. with your onions. I was in the middle yes. of it. Yeah, I was dealing with it with onions, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you were... You were dealing with it, but not with hemp. So that big, that cold snap in September, everybody that panicked and went in with their swathers and cutters and cut everything down, trying to get it out of the field, um, those guys lost everything they cut. But the guys that couldn't get into the field were able to come back. The plant did not die. It kind of hibernated, something that um, – I was kind of shocked about. It. I figured when it got as cold as it did, plant would you know just rot away in the field. That's not true. These guys were coming back in after the fact and and still being able to harvest their crop. So lesson yeah, learned on that. Yeah, there's some burn don't and some stuff like it. that. Yeah, don't don't cut it. Don't cut it and let it sit. In the field. I mean, there was it, there were some fields that had were completely covered in snow, and then of course two weeks later it would melt. It had melted. And they got back in there once it put out and, and got it got it harvested. So I, I'm shocked and I'm and they're like, oh, okay, this this is good to know. So uh, yeah, yeah, less okay. Although that was a once in a century storm. Hopefully, we're not dealing with that too much. You know, and that's some people, but because you, your thought process is got to get it out of the field, we got to get it out of the field versus oh, let it snow, man. Let it get cold. It'll dry yeah. out. Yeah, like corn. You know, kind of corn. Yeah, my 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 partner, uh, my former partner, we started hemp lodging together. He does corn, and he's <laughs> it's March, and he goes, his dad, uh, his dad just passed away, but his dad, he's like, this is ridiculous. We're in March. <laughs> I'm I'm disking behind my combine and literally planting in the same field. He goes, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely not. Definitely not the way to to harvest corn. So, well, so what do you what are you thinking? What do you think about the future? What are your where are you thinking? Uh, you guys are going to go for the future of hemp? 
You know, even we just had a meeting about that yesterday, just kind of weighing our options. We're, we don't know. Um, I mean, to, we don't know yet. Um, I mean, to get all the way out from where we were is not probably in the, in the cards. I can tell you for sure that I don't see um, an expansion on, in, a, in our near future um, until the volatility has worked its way out of this. It's just it's too risky. It's just too hard. Um, and I think there's going to be a ton learned. I can't, I can't imagine there's a lot of people saying, you know, three months ago or four months ago that we would double the acreage again. I have a really, really hard time. I mean, I, I, I know virtually no one. I know one person that has sold their biomass or their CBD at this point, or their, their, their tea free. Like it's, there's a lot of stagnation out there. And if I'm, if I'm who I am and, or if I'm a smaller farmer and there's not big money in it, or if I'm an investment group, even more so, why am I going to play in this? So uh, to me, I, I see for us a contraction. I, I, I imagine a, a contraction in the entire industry, but a lot of times, you take your perspective on something and you broadcast that across everyone else with a broad brush. I'm not sure if that's the case, but it's certainly my perspective. The crazy part is I was on the, I, I, on LinkedIn, somebody hit me up and you know, there these new States that have just now. So 2020 is their first year getting into the hemp business. And I've had uh-huh. two conversations with people and they, you know, we're going to do a thousand acres. We're going to do 10,000 acres. And, and I said, uh, have you been paying attention to hemp industry? What's going on inside the hemp industry? And you're talking nonsense. Well, they, they failed because they didn't study as much as we have, but they don't understand. They're as good as farms as we are. And the arrogance coming from these guys, I, I just, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I I guess if they want to give me money, I guess I'll, I'll take it. But I, it's, it just seems like you're not learning from your, you're not learning from history. You're just, you got that calculator out and by God, you're going to do it. I don't get it. I don't, it does. It makes no sense to me sometimes, but you know, Hey, you're, this is the business that we're in. So uh, we, we go along with it. So um well, that's it. That's interesting. Um, what what would you get? What what one piece of advice would you give uh, future farmers of hemp, um, whether it's 20 acres or or 200? What what would be your, you know, your little bit of knowledge, little nugget of knowledge you got for us? I guess I got two points. It depends on whether you have a farming background or not. But um, the the first thing with the person that it has been a farmer is this is nothing like anything you've ever thought about growing before. And this is coming from a, a family farm that's growing, you know, eight to ten different crops a year. It is nothing like you've ever grown before. Um, and, and I don't mean – I mean from you don't understand the genetics, you don't understand the harvest methods, you don't understand anything, right? You're the, you're, your understanding is just you're, you're an infant that's barely learning to crawl. You, you have to take that into account. Um, if, you're the, if you're the regular person that's coming into this, um, and, and you think you want to, you know, put a hundred acres in with, you know, some farm buddy you have or something like that. I think you, it, it's the risk involved. The risk is way higher than farming's always risky. Okay. When you put an onion crop in the ground, you're risking whether you're going to get it harvested, whether you get a hailstorm, whether you uh, are going to actually have something to sell at the end, but that the investment there is, 
a quarter to half of what you're talking about investing in hemp. And that is an established industry with people that you can go to. Like in a, in a Hail Mary, I can call people and people are going to come in and they're going to be able to, to, to not save my butt but keep me from losing everything. This industry, the hemp industry, is not that way still. Like you, there's not a, you can make your Hail Marys and good luck seeing who actually you know, answers, your, answers your prayer. Because there's not many people that are going to be there, and if they are there, there's very, very, very few people who are going to perform and execute. And I'm, I'm, we built our business on execution, so I'm really, really like, very keen on working with people that can execute. And that is, I mean, I don't know how many there are in the hemp industry, but I, I can guarantee you that it's very limited. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You. You pretty much nailed what I've been talking about for the last almost year. Uh, it's just funny. It's, uh, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I'll, I'll try this and laugh industry, along. I love it. But it's it's. I love I love this industry. I think it's so cool uh, being on the forefront of this. But it's also so frustrating when people won't. You know, it's, don't go there. You're gonna die. Do do. Do five acres. Don't do 500, and they don't listen. You know, you find out that they they went forward, and you know, or they'll call you and go, "Can you help me? Can you? I, I need to get rid of this, or I need to get harvested. I need to get planted. I need whatever." Uh, just, I'm sorry, man, I can't help you. It's, you know, I, I wanted to help you when you were helpable. You're not helpable right, right. now. So, yeah, I appreciate that. That's a good, a good little tidbit. Um, well, I, I think you know what I, I appreciate. I do appreciate your time that you spent um, talking with us on the program here. Um, you know, I, I, if you, you know, for those out there listening, uh, Shay Myers, he's on LinkedIn. Uh, check him out. Um, he's he's a great guy, uh, and he definitely knows how to farm. I can tell you that. So, um, Shay, do you have anything you want to add to the program before we uh, sign off here? No, I just appreciate you giving me the chance to talk, and uh, I wish us all luck. Oh, uh, well, you next... know what? You, do you, yeah, do you have, uh, if you want to talk about anything, that you've, do you have something for sale now? I do have. I've got about 120,000 um, pounds of, of biomass available still. Um, that was of about a, you know, I don't know. Everybody throws out big numbers. These are real numbers, though, by the way, but about 2 million pounds is what we started with. Uh, 10% quantity, um, and if, if guys are out there looking for something, it's there. Um, we, we do have some alternatives, and we're starting to work on as far as processing locally. We, we have a processing facility that just came on site, and we'll, we'll start processing all of our own stuff here in the next – hopefully in the next 10 days. And that'll change um, our dynamics here a little bit as well. Yeah, we're excited to have that. Right we don't know what it means yet. I don't think anybody really but knows, I, but you know, the future yeah. is, is definitely bright. I, I still think the future is bright. We just have to get through this kind of a dark time in the, in the industry right now. But, um, well, okay. I'll let you go. Uh, go back to doing what you were doing. Um, and I definitely so much appreciate you coming on, on the show and, and talking with us. You bet. Appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, buddy. Take care, man. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, guys. Oh, that, that was probably, I think, one of the best shows we've had. Um, 
you know, this is my, I think, 21st radio program. I don't know if they're all, they might be like 15 of them, but uh, this has been a good show. Um, if you'd like to be on the, on the program, shoot me an email at radio at hamplogic.com, and let's get you on the show. You guys have a great rest of your day, and uh, have a good one. Talk to you later. <clears throat> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.